0: Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 3, Episode 83. Last week, I covered the Table of the Bread of Presence, along with the actual bread and other items found on that table in the tabernacle. If you missed that episode, you should really go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm covering the next artifact found in Exodus 25, the lampstand. And with that, let's get started. After the table of the bread of presence, sometimes called the showbread, in Exodus 25, is the lampstand, which is more frequently called the menorah. I'll use both terms interchangeably in this episode. The lampstand held seven lamps on its six branches, with the seventh being on the main stem. From the text, you shall make a lampstand of pure gold, the base in the shaft of the lampstand shall be made of hammered work. Its cups, its calyxes, its petals shall be of one piece with it, and there shall be six branches going out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand out of one side of it, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side of it, three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a calyx and petals, on one branch, and three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a calyx and petals, on the other branch. So, for the six branches going out of the lampstand, end quote. The overall shape is similar to a plant native to the region non-scientifically as the Salvia palestina, essentially a seven-stemmed perennial that flowers in the late spring. And the calyx is simply a flower shaped like a cup. According to Exodus chapter 27, the lamp had pure, probably consecrated, olive oil. The lamp would burn this olive oil, the purest version available, as it not only burned cleaner, but it was going in the Holy of Holies. And Numbers chapter 8 tells us why the lampstand was necessary, to shine a light in front of it, of course. And when you think about it, the tabernacle was likely very dark and needed a light source, and the menorah provided it. Then there were more detailed instructions, quoting from the New Revised Standard Version, You shall further command the Israelites to bring you pure oil of beaten olives for the light, so that a lamp may be set up to burn regularly. In the tent of meeting, outside the curtain that is before the covenant, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a perpetual ordinance to be observed throughout their generations by the Israelites. End quote. And, one other note about the light source it couldn't have been candles, as they weren't introduced to the region until nearly 2,000 years later, in 400 AD. The text also tells us of several of the accessories. Really tools, used with the lampstand. Wick trimmers and trays of pure gold. In total, a full talent of gold was used in the construction. And you know what time it is. Sure you do. Unit conversion. But a talent was variable depending on the place and time. Generally thought to be somewhere between 75 and 110 pounds. So 33 to 50 kilos. Either way, that's a heavy lampstand. As for the modern value, that would be somewhere between about 900000 and $1.4 U.S. dollars. But such a conversion is fraught with peril. You need to think no further back to the episodes on the history of Egypt, where silver was more valuable than gold. The original menorah was made for the tabernacle, and it's assumed that whenever the tent of meeting is mentioned, It includes the lampstand, but it doesn't mirror a mention along with the Ark of the Covenant later in the Old Testament. Now, it does get noticed in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, where we're told that Solomon had ten lampstands made for his temple in Jerusalem, but they weren't to last. In Jeremiah 52, we see where the Chaldeans carried the lampstand along with many other artifacts to Babylon. They took away the pots, the shovels, the snuffers, the basins, the ladles, and all the vessels of bronze used in the temple service. Of course, the Chaldeans were one and the same as King Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonians, and this occurred in 587 BC. As for the other traditions, the text of the Old Testament is silent. That, of course, didn't stop later writers. In Jewish oral tradition, the menorah stood 18 handbreadths high, which is just over 5 feet or 1.6 meters. Then one of the more amusing debates concerning ancient artifacts. Where was it in the chamber? Was it facing north and south or east and west? Josephus, who grew up in Jerusalem when the second temple stood in the city, wrote that the menorah was actually situated in a diagonal, facing somewhere between the east and south. Another raging debate is if the arms were straight or round. And if they were round, were they semicircular or elliptical? So which is true? Who knows? Opinions vary. In the last episode, I covered the pictorial history of the Second Temple's destruction found on the Arch of Titus in Rome and dating to about 70 AD the arch also had a depiction of the menorah. It shone resting upon a double hexagonal base, a smaller hexagon on top of a larger one, like steps going towards the center stem. And apparently, it was rather heavy, as it was being carried away by either six or twelve men, which would seem like it weighed more than 110 pounds. Then, in 2009... The ruins of a synagogue with pottery dating before the destruction of the second temple were discovered under land in Magdala, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Found in the ruins was a rectangular stone. On its surface, beside other ornate carvings, was a depiction of the seven-lamped menorah. But this one was different from the carving on the Arch of Titus. In this depiction, the arms are polygonal, not rounded, and the base was not graduated, but was a solid triangle. But the Sea of Galilee is a bit distant from the site of the second temple, and it could be a representation of a different menorah altogether. The Arch of Titus drawing, though, is generally believed to depict the actual looting of the sacked temple. Other depictions of a menorah are found in all sorts of ancient locations, and on many artifacts, to the point that seven-lamp menorahs are thought to have been exceedingly common in that place and time. Josephus also wrote that three of the seven lamps burned during the day, at least at the time of the second temple. Other writings claim that only the center lamp was left burning all day, but despite this, it consumed the same amount of oil as the other six lamps. This was interpreted as a sign of God's continued presence. A reference to this is in 1 Samuel chapter 3, where it was called the Lamp of God and noted as continuing to burn. Legend has it that this miracle continued through about 40 years before the destruction of the second temple, stopping around 30 AD. I'll let you figure out why that is significant. After the Babylonian captivity, in the first chapter of Ezra, an inventory of the goods returned from Babylon is provided but there is no direct mention of the lampstand. There are an ambiguous 1,000 other vessels listed, which may have included the lampstand. But, given that we're told the exact number of knives, gold balls, and many other pieces, it's a fairly safe assumption that had something as large and important as the lampstand been returned, it would have been specifically listed. So, it was likely not brought back from Babylon. About this time, the second temple was built, and given what's known about the architecture, there were few to no external windows, so a need for an artificial light, provided by a lampstand of one sort or another. Also, and similar to the table of the bread of presents I covered last week, when the Seleucid king Antiochus Epiphanes sacked Jerusalem, he took away the lampstands of the second temple. They were quickly replaced with new versions, all found in the book of Maccabees. Like I mentioned earlier, the lampstand from the second temple was likely carted off to Rome following the building's destruction. Josephus recorded the event, writing that it was brought to Rome and carried along during the triumphal parades of Vespasian and Titus. Following that, for some time, centuries really, The menorah was displayed as a war trophy at the Temple of Peace in Rome. What a name. A Temple of Peace. Peace secured by conquest. It's all in the marketing. Even 2,000 years ago. Anyway, this temple was on the edge of the Roman Forum. The building was financed by the selling of less significant spoils, like those mentioned in Ezra. Gold bowls, silver bowls pieces that had value simply from their precious metal content. Fast forward about four centuries, and it's assumed that the Second Temple Lampstand was still in Rome, but then the city was overrun by the Vandals, specifically in 455. The Vandals sounds like a band. They weren't. At least in a musical sense. They were a band of marauding Germanic people, obviously from Northern Europe. After they raided Rome, the whereabouts of the lampstand became lost, likely melted down and reformed into things those people held valuable. There is a 19th century painting by Russian artist Karl Bryulov. It shows the lampstand being taken away in the middle of a melee. Of course, this was produced well after the fact, but it does render the menorah with its double-stacked hexagonal base. Of course, when something disappears like that, there will be alternate theories. Other writers posit that the lampstand was transported to Carthage, which was also under the control of the Vandals at that time. Carthage was across the sea in North Africa. Put a pin in that, I'll circle back in a minute. After Carthage, when that city fell to the Byzantian army general, Balisarius, in 533, it may have been sent to the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire, so Constantinople, modern Istanbul. According to Procopius, a Greek scholar who lived in Constantinople at the time, it was carried through the streets of the city during Belisarius's triumphal parade, which is a good indication that it ended up there, if we're talking about the same lampstand. But, Procopius would also write that the lampstand was later returned to Jerusalem. That may or may not have really happened, as so far, there has been no record uncovered of it ever being returned there. If it were, the Persians pillaged Jerusalem in 614 and could have grabbed it then. A different theory has it being transported on the ship in the Mediterranean, and while out to sea, the ship sank and the menorah would then be at the bottom of the sea, waiting to be rediscovered. Finally, there's a story that it was hidden away in a secured room at the Vatican, or maybe in the cellar of the Archbasilica of St. John Lantern, just down the road from the Vatican in Rome. In Judaism, the menorah symbolized the ideal of universal enlightenment, light. The Talmud recorded this a little more symbolically, saying, He who desires to become wise should incline to the south when praying. The symbol by which to remember this is the menorah, which was on the southern side of the temple. A bit of a quote with some of the blanks filled in for clarity. In that religion, wisdom was also represented via the seven lamps which served as representatives of the branches of human knowledge. Six of the lamps inclined towards the seventh, the one in the center, the one that always burned, the one that represented God. A similar representation equated the seven branches with the seven days of creation. Finally, it was thought to symbolize the burning bush where God spoke to a younger Moses. In Christianity, and in the book of Revelation, in its first chapter, there are two references to the golden lampstand. John, the author of the book, first mentions that he turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to him, and on turning he saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands he saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash across his chest. A few sentences later, he writes he was instructed by the Son of Man to record what has been seen, what is, and what is to take place after this, quoting... As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Quote. In this case, the seven churches are those at Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So, each branch represented one of these foundational churches. Later, Philo, Judaeus, and Clement of Alexandria both proposed that the seven lamps of the Golden Menorah represented the seven classical planets in this order. The Moon, Mercury, Venus, the Sun, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Philo was a first-century Greek-slash-Egyptian-Jewish philosopher, Think back to the last few episodes on the history of Egypt to understand how that worked. Clement was a late 2nd century Greek Christian theologian. Finally, Kevin Connor, a 20th and 21st century Pentecostal theologian, proposed that the description of the original lampstand was foreshadowing far in the future the Christian religion. How so? Each of the seven tributary branches coming out of the main shaft were decorated with three sets of cups shaped like almond blossoms, a bulb, and a flower. This would create three sets of three units on each branch, a total of nine units per branch. The main shaft, however, had four sets of blossoms, bulbs, and flowers, making a total of 12 units on the shaft. Add them all up, and you end up with a total of 66 units. So what does this mean? Connor would claim that this represented the Protestant canon of Scripture, which has 66 books. In addition, Connor noted that the total decorative units on the shaft and three branches totaled to 39, which is the number of Old Testament books within Protestant translations of that part of the Bible. Simple algebra shows that the remaining three branches have 27, which is the number of New Testament books, but he wasn't done. He tied all of this into three Old Testament passages, specifically Psalms 119 verses 105 and 130 and Proverbs 6 verse 23. And what do these say? The first, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The second, the unfolding of your words gives light. And third, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light. You can decide for yourself. Of course, I can't cover the ancient lampstand without at least touching on the menorah's association with Hanukkah. And think of this as merely a sampling. The full history will be brought in when I cover the Maccabean Revolt. The menorah would become a symbol of the Jewish faith, not just because of it being in the ancient tabernacle, also for its role in Hanukkah. According to the Talmud, after the Greek sulacid defilement of the temple in Jerusalem, in this case, the second temple, there was only enough sealed consecrated olive oil left to fuel the internal flame in the temple for about one day. And keep in mind, we're not talking lamp oil in general, but consecrated oil. Oil suitable for use in the temple. Despite having only a day's worth, the lamps burned for eight days, which was enough time to make a new batch of the holy lamp oil. And if you're paying attention, you'll note that the temple lampstand had a total of seven branches, while Hanukkah menorahs have more. The Talmud states that it is prohibited to use a seven-lamped menorah outside of the temple. The Hanukkah menorah therefore has eight main branches, plus the raised ninth lamp set apart as the servant light, which is used to kindle the other lights. In modern Judaism, synagogues have a continually lit lamp or light in front of the ark, where the Torah scroll is kept, called the Eternal Light. This lamp represents the continually lit menorah used in the Temple of Ancient Israel. Finally, the modern Israeli coat of arms has a menorah on it, ...model after the one found on the Arch of Titus. In anticipation of a third iteration of a temple in Jerusalem... ...a full-sized gold menorah has been constructed. It's been described as being made to the exact details found in the Old Testament. The menorah is constructed from a full talent of 24-karat gold... ...which is almost as pure as can be refined. It was hammered out of a single block of solid gold with decorations based on the depiction of the original in the Arch of Titus, and the Temple Institute's interpretation of the relevant religious text. In the Orthodox Church, menorah are used in religious services. It is usually found on or behind the altar. Orthodox menorahs are usually fired by olive oil, though candles are sometimes used. Depending on the church and the ceremony, Anywhere from three to seven of the lamps are lit. The center lamp is used as an internal flame, but only if the particular church does not have a separate sanctuary lamp. A similar 7 branched lampstand can be found in Taoism, with each branch representing the seven stars of the Big Dipper. The lampstand is found in all Taoist temples, and is also burned eternally. In that religion, lighting the lamps is believed to absolve sins and prolong life, which is a good stopping point for this week's episode. Join me next week when I'll continue the history found in Exodus chapter 25, in that case, the tabernacle. You don't want to miss it. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. This week, help others to find the podcast by leaving a positive review on iTunes. You can find the Facebook page by searching the phrase, Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page so that it's easier to find later. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they are released and you don't miss out. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.